I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, this is the Redbox Podcast. I'm Matt Choi. Coming up on today's episode, no PMQs unpacked because the Commons is in recess because there's nothing happening in the world the House of Commons would want to debate. So instead, we've got Starmer unpacked. Patrick McGuire joins me to unpick the Labour leader's conference speech and uh, reflect on whether or not he's yet sealed the deal uh, with the electorates. That's coming up in just a moment. Before that, as ever, on a Wednesday, it's time for these two. The Colonists with Alibert, Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton on Times Radio. Yes, it's that time on a Wednesday. We always speak to two of our favourite columnists, and here they are both in the studio. Morning, Robert Crampton. Morning, much older. And Alice Thompson. Good morning. Morning. Nice to have you both here. It's all going very well, isn't it? This new era. You enjoying the new era? Fabulous. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Economic meltdown. Yeah. yeah. What's the pound worth this morning? It's gone down again, I think. Right. Is it down to a parity yet? Hang on. Let me have a look. Uh, I was reading PA and they were saying it was down. Right. It makes it all much simpler because you just can't do anything, can you? You can't book a holiday. You no. can't oh, turn what? the heating on. You don't have any kind of choices left anymore. You just no, have to exactly. keep going, don't you? You, yeah, you, you have little faith. Somebody's recently booked uh, to go to New York at Christmas. Oh, well done. Yeah. Good call, really looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think we might just stay in the hotel today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we just haven't got any future plans. I mean, we've just stopped enough. <laughs> Everyone is like so worried, so nervous about, yeah. you know, rent, uh, heating, interest rates. Food. Yeah, it's down to one dollar and six cents. Mm. So yeah, well, even my uh, daughter was haggling today about her university, how much she was going to get because she said the food's gone up so much there, and you realise that. I mean, yeah. you know. All, every age group now is finding it harder, aren't they? They've all learned about inflation. Yeah. I want to see a stat which, at what point the interest rate ri- rises for the average household wipes out the uh, tax cut. Mm. Uh, I mean, not that anybody got the tax cut yeah, unless, yeah. You're, unless you're... But pretty quickly, and the stamp duty, quickly, I mean, that's not yeah. going to help anyone now, is it? We're going to have property prices plunging. Yeah. We don't want to sound too depressed today. Well, no, we don't want to talk, stop talking Britain down. <laughs> Have you read Daniel Hannan's day? So I was about no, to say that's my favourite point, that Daniel Hannan has now come out yet again and said it's not actually the Conservative Party's fault. The only reason that the markets are Hang plunging... Hang on, if, if Robert hasn't read it, guess, guess mm. whose fault he thinks it is. Uh, Remainers? No. Uh, it's even better. Uh, oh, goodness, I don't know. Go on, tell me. This is what the, this is the headline Light, of the piece. Yeah. No, the pound isn't <laughs> crashing over a trifling batch of tax cuts. It's because the markets are terrified of Starmer. Oh, of a Labour government, right. It's Keir Starmer's yeah. fault. 
Oh, I see. So the markets are reacting to a possible Labour government in two years' time. But his, the implication is mm. that this package is really deeply unpopular, which therefore means that Keir Starmer becoming Prime Minister yeah. is a more realistic possibility. And it's that which has upset yeah. the markets. So that's my problem with the Brexiteers, is that I know we're not really supposed to mention it, but there is that sense that it's always someone else's fault. So it yeah. was either the European Union's fault, and now it can't be the European Union's fault. It has to be someone else's fault. And then after that, it's either going to be the hedge fund guys, because they should never have started, you know, betting on the pound, yeah. or it's going to be the Bank of England, and now it's going to be Keir Starmer. They never actually look at it and think, maybe it's up to us. It's, it, you know, this is our responsibility. We are now in government. And we are calling the shots, and maybe you know we should be doing something about it. And it, it seems like because I was quite surprised that some of the other sort of your Gerard Lyons, who you know supporters of you know Liz Truss and her favourite mm. economist, even even he's been a bit. Well, I'm not sure, not sure about the t- getting rid of the top rate of tax, and maybe the timing. You know, some other economists are saying the timing is. Well, the top rate of tax thing is a disaster. I mean, I can't see it re- makes much of a difference economically. Oh, well, Daniel Hannan argues yeah. in this Conhome piece that um, it will bring in more money because rich people won't have the incentive to try and get round it. But well, they already I mean, but... have got round it, so they're not going to change all their and you're tax returns it, for that. No. And you're changing it from 45p to 40p mm. for, for 629,000 people who earn over 100 Yeah. Fifty thousand. It doesn't seem to add up to a lot of money to me, whereas the politics of it are absolutely disastrous. I mean, it, it's just... You, I mean, that's the end of the... That's the goodbye to the Red Wall, I would say. Because mm. even... I mean, that, what are you going to say if you're a Labour yeah. canvasser? You just, On top I mean, of bankers' bonuses. Bankers' bonuses. Yeah, bank, bank, bankers' bonuses. bonuses yeah, yeah. You, I, mean, that, I mean, that may be, make mo- slightly more sense because they were, just, they were just getting more in salary anyway. But the optics of it, the mm. politics of it are a disaster. Also, the super rich aren't going to do that much better out of it because, actually, if they want to then go on their holidays to Mauritius and... Well, exactly. Uh, that is, it actually, all that's all going to be sucked up in your, that. Your yeah. mortgage yeah. on your two million pound yeah. house is going to go. You know, all of that Closed from starts. America. Starts. Uh, I don't think people are entrepreneurs are so venal that they they sit on their mm. bottoms. And actually, all the stories, all the stories that came out over the weekend were people who do work in the city. The people yeah. are going to benefit from yeah. unlimited bonuses and, and not paying the top weight of taxes. So I don't need this. Like, the country's no. in trouble. Um, I think and they also don't fun... want class warfare. I mean, that's the other thing. You just yeah. you don't want this sense that everyone's going to hate you. It's a fundamental misjudgment mm. about the about the mood of the country. And I think for the first time in a long time, that Labour's with its uh, sort of nationalised but not quite nationalised uh, yeah, yeah. uh, green proposal is much is more in tune with the mood of the country. I mean, you had a poll a few weeks ago in the Sunday Times saying that a majority of Tory voters thought that energy should be taken back into public ownership. Yeah. Tory voters. Yeah. So, I mean, whether they whether that's a good idea or not, I don't know. I don't think it is, probably. But that's the mood. It's a weird thing, though, isn't it? That the, 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 at the precise moment that we've got the free marketeers in trouble, mm. I think it was George Osborne, was it George Osborne tweeted this yesterday, saying that um, we've got the free marketeers telling us to ignore the markets. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. it is, exactly. Again, it's them blaming the markets, aren't they, when actually... They can't really blame anyone else because the markets are reacting to them. It's like a bunch of 19-year-olds who've just read Hayek or Friedman yeah. uh, uh, and are all enthused about it and have read maybe a few libertarian pamphlets uh, have taken over the country, you know? So, so it's, um, yeah, he's, they he, still believe what George Osborne tweeted, odd to see free marketeers urging a free market government to ignore mm. the markets. Mm. But, but it's a sort of a weird thing that, that for, for this to be the moment that the free marketeers take yeah. over at a time when the energy market isn't working. You know, the housing market isn't working. Yes, I mean, which is why there's an increased appetite for state intervention, which we saw yeah. we, we saw with COVID. I mean, people... Yeah. There was an intervention and people thought, oh, well, nobody will uh, respond to it, but people yeah. actually liked a bit of intervention, a bit of guidance from the government. Uh, and they weren't all libertarian and 
I mean, the libertarianism turns out to be a, a really small, really small m- minority yeah, yeah, yeah. taste, doesn't and it? And actually, we saw quite the opposite. They're actually, the yeah. po- polls showed yeah. sizable chunks of the public wanted, like, the, I think it was about 20% wanted yeah. to shut nightclubs permanently. Yeah. Just, just like, just didn't like, just them, like now they want guidance with energy saving measures and so yeah. on. The guard, and the government's too frightened to, uh, either frightened or too ideologically opposed to give people guidance about heating their homes. I mean, it's just, it's bizarre that you, that you, that, that is what kind of personal liberty means to you. Yeah. Why, are you in, why are you even in politics if you don't believe in sort of telling anybody or advising people what to do? And the weird thing, going back to the Dan Hannan piece, he argues that basically this is good economics, but acknowledges it's ba- it might be bad politics. Uh, it would definitely be bad politics, he yeah. says, to reverse on this. But you think, well, the economics doesn't seem that smart. I mean, there is clearly a, a school of thought which says if growth is low, you cut taxes, then people spend money in that fuel. But you don't do that when inflation is already high because mm-hmm. all, all you end up doing is fueling inflation and then interest rates have to go up and you... It's that so whole Dan thing Hallen's about... pretending that they're doing the sensible grown-up thing and that they are going to look to the future and all the measures that Liz Truster is doing now is going to help Britain in the future. Yeah. Whereas actually, it feels like they're a bunch of children, as Robert says, who are in there messing around. And, and it is very ideological and it is a, it's a huge gamble. And I think yeah. people don't want to take any more gambles. They've already taken gambles over the last few years. That No, and you import that... inflation and you fuel consumption for the, for the rich when what you should be doing is making these really boring long-term supply-side changes to get growth in the economy, like, you know, infrastructure and the rest of it. Yeah, and that's, that's the... It also seems so, so... That becomes harder to do, though, when borrowing goes up. You yeah. Know? I mean, that's easy. When, 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 when interest rates are 0.1%, then obviously government should be doing big infrastructure projects. Yeah. But, but when they're paying 4% or, yeah. more, or more, as it's going to be next year then that becomes harder as well. Yeah. It's, uh... And then one of Liz Truss's old ideas was to take all of the, the, the spending from COVID, bundle it all up into a long-term sort of war bond. But look, the cost of all that's gone. Even like the 30-year 30, 30 bonds have gone... So, in, so we're going to have to pay more to service all that as well. The only time I actually feel sorry for us is when you get the um, American economists all telling us how rubbish Britain is. And then <laughs> yeah. For a moment, you think, yeah. actually. Yeah, when the, when the, know, when the New York Times writes fine. a piece about how terrible yes. it is. Hang yeah. on a yes. minute. The New York Times we're does not that, that bad. We're not that bad. <laughs> the New York Times does that every week. It's yeah. getting really boring. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at least we'll have tourists coming to Britain because, you know, actually it'll be cheaper here. So we may get an influx of people coming in to see how amazing this country is. We've got to sell a lot of snow globes and uh, porcelain models and Big Ben, though, haven't we, to to make up for everything. It's interesting now that that she wants to write to remove the cap on immigration, which is... I mean, well, that, well, that's, that, again, that that's a proper libertarian view. Yes. But not one but, that you thought she was going to make or that I think a lot of the Red Wall thought was going to happen. Well, no, no, that's a lot the, of people that's, after Brexit thought Well, that's kind of what lost the, the referendum, mm. wasn't it? Was Essentially, was my was immigration. Yeah. And uh, now we've we've left the European Union and we've got a labour shortage and so we're going to have to... But then then becomes an argument. If you let more people in, the economy does grow, but not per head. So each individual person doesn't get better off. There's just more more people sharing the money, the the, the size of the the pie. Um, uh, One of the things I've noticed, actually, I suppose what changes the whole political argument is that at the Labour Party conference, I think it was Rachel Reeves announced, they were going to take the money that is going to be spent on cutting the top weight of tax and they would spend it on doctors and nurses. Mm. Yes. Oh, that's great. 
But that's just borrowing. That money doesn't Ooh. exist. Yeah. Well, we've all learned to yeah. spend now. That's, I yeah. think that was the biggest problem about COVID. It's actually everyone had a bit more money because they weren't going into work, they weren't commuting. Yeah. So th- and they couldn't spend it on going to the pub or going out. Yeah. And the, so they had a bit of savings then. And the government was just spending vast amounts. Yeah, so was, furlough was just like this yeah. weird new thing. And out, eat out to help out. We'd never seen anything like it. So I think There was a magic money tree yeah, after all. They thought, oh my God, yeah. we didn't realise you could spend this kind of and money. And it now just means that the Tories can't say to Labour, well, your doctors and nurses aren't funded. Well, they are. They're funded with your one funded tax cut yeah, for the rich. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I mean, the Tories have got into uh, borrowing to, to uh, tax and sp- borrowing to spend in a big way, haven't they? Yeah. Well, I think what they want from and Keir Starmer now, the voters, is, is a bit more kind of adult, yeah. grown-up, you, you can't have everything you want. There was I think a little bit of that in his speech, that. the sort yeah. of, um, you know, it's got to take time or we can't do all good, you know, all the good Labour things immediately. Yeah, yeah. While also promising, promising lots of nurses. Quite a lot when of in doubt, but yeah, <laughs> bring a wheel on a nurse. A million nurses, two yeah. million nurses. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, like yeah, like he's uh, organising an auction. Um, that's enough politics. Let's talk yeah. about memoirs. Oh yeah, I really like. So uh, <laughs> uh, you've you've written. You don't want. You're glad your children aren't <laughs> writing memoirs. Well, I've written that this is Harry's memoir, uh, in which he's going to be nasty about his dad, the new king, uh, which is being rewritten, maybe to make it nastier or to make it nicer, I don't know, in the light of the accession. But I say I've, got, I've had a sneak preview into what my children may write yeah. about me because they, they, that's what they spend their time telling me anyway. You know, uh, But you have been writing about them for quite a long that's time. A that's, that's, yeah, and as, as I say, as I say in that column, uh, it, they could justifiably argue it's their turn. I've had 20 years of writing about them. They started writing about them when they were two and four, and they're now 23 and 25. If they or, or your wife ever had any veto at, over? Uh, no. 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 Because I always invoke the freedom of the press. <laughs> and No, they don't. They, this is your haven't. beta male column. This is beta male, yeah. 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 I mean, Which is I'm, basically just your, your yes, life. Yes, I mean, I would, I would hope that I've been tensive about it and it hasn't scarred the scarf of life. <laughs> Uh, it's not what they say. You, you, you write about your children as well. I occasionally do put them in, but then they, I normally have to tell them I'm going to do it. And yeah, yeah. occasionally they complain. There have been one or two complaints. I remember was talking about one being a serial gambler, which he is yeah. aged about nine or ten he was. Yeah. Um, and he did, he complained vociferously about that. Sometimes I slip them in just to see if they ever read my column, which yeah. they don't quite often. That's a good test. My, uh, yeah, my, my, my son doesn't read it, my daughter does, and she just she, she likes, she wants to be in it more. Uh, I was my litmus test is I would make sure the jokes on me rather than anybody else, and I think yeah, I mean that's the title of the column, and I always uh, make you know try and make sure that I'm the I'm the person being mocked by yeah. myself. And, and I don't, that's I don't the problem, think, isn't it, with yeah. Prince Harry? Is you don't feel this is going to be an entertaining, amusing no. This is what I did Rye, with Dad. Sideways, self-deprecating. Look. No, no, no it's, who knows? It's not an gonna... amusing thing happened at Alton Towers. No, that is not. You no, know. that's not the way they roll in Montecito. Do you remember that time <laughs> uh, Dad dropped all the ice creams? That's yeah. not. That's not no. what this is going to be about. No. no, it's not. No, it's going to be about the time that I just don't know why he's doing it. Money. I mean, he did he's get paid doing, a fortune yeah. to do it. And I think he yeah. did try, didn't he, at the beginning? He's got $17 million yeah. as half... And, we, and uh, at the beginning, Prince Harry did... I mean, he did try and make it more about mental health. And I think what's yeah. happened is they that t- the they, publishers yeah. want it to he's be He's got a three-book deal for $34 million, of which he's given, they've given him $17 million already. Yeah, it's quite and tricky. He, and, his, and his initial draft, reading between the lines, was obviously some really dull tome about... Live, laugh, play. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and they said, well, <laughs> no, could you... Would you mind slagging off your dad a bit more, yeah. I think? And that's well, the whole family, if you can. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, 
They he should never to... have taken the book. I mean, that was the problem. In the yeah, first well, place. yeah. It's a, it's a fundamental misunderstanding about what it is to be in the royal family, isn't it? They want to make money out of it. But from and... his point of view, if he does genuinely want a rapprochement with his brother and his dad, doesn't look like he does. Tear up the book. I think. The single easiest way to do it, wouldn't it? I, I doesn't want a rapprochement. I mean, oh, I think right. I think they've they've. Uh, from what I've read, uh, whilst he was over here, there were attempts made. Oh, we may have spent some of the rejected. money. I mean, that is yeah, the problem, yeah. isn't it? It's such a huge amount of money that it's very difficult to know what <laughs> what you would do if you then had to give yeah. it all back. And he, he might want have to give earmarked it, back. it for various different projects. Yeah. I don't think he wants to give it back. Mm. I don't think he wants a rapprochement. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I think it's, yeah. I think you must do. I mean, what's so difficult is so prodigal son, isn't it? Because you have, you know... Uh, the new Prince of Wales going round uh, yeah. with his wife and they both look sort of, you know, gorgeous and happy yeah. and they're doing their dutiful yeah. work. And he is the prodigal son across the water and I, yeah, and I think yeah. that's really hard, but it makes fantastic story for everyone else. Yeah, that's a problem. It's a great soap opera, but unless you're inside it. Uh-huh. But anyway, with all that money, you can't feel that sorry for you. No. Anyway, it's lovely to see you both. You too. Do you, get, you, you, want, you, want to get, you could get a £50 million book deal for collected works of beta male. No, you? I did do the collected works. Yeah. It sold extremely badly. <laughs> People, people uh, said, well, well, I've just, I've read that and I could read it again for free if I, if I really could be bothered to Google it. Uh, and funny enough, I'm not going to pay £9.99 to read something that I can for free. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, it didn't so well. That's the market. There's more market That's failure. the market, yeah, and I accept that. The, yeah, the failure of, uh, I didn't, uh, yeah. The market of collected columns is, yeah. Yeah. Well, I you think got... you should have given a signed copy to Matt for his birthday. What, the birthday that he didn't invite me to? Yes, which he didn't invite us to. And I I did give you a signed copy of our book that Rachel and I did about our interviews. I bought a copy of your book. Oh, you bought one. I paid for it. (laughs) Maybe why you weren't invited. I didn't, actually. I need to get one. You have, well, you two can go and sort that out. Okay, all right. Alice has always got about half a dozen in her bag. (laughs) And a card machine. (laughs) Lovely to see you both. Robert Crampton and Alice Thompson then, of course, you can read them in The Times every week. You just need to get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Box. Up next, it's Starmer Unpacked. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to the Red Box Podcast. Now it's time for Keir Starmer 
Unpacked on Times Radio. Unpacking the politics and cutting through the crossfire. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Patrick Maguire. Yeah. Yeah, no PMQs this week because the House of Commons isn't sitting. And why would they when there's nothing going on in the world? Uh, but Patrick Maguire is... Well, he's not here. In fact, he's, he's in Liverpool. How, how are you this morning, Patrick? I'm uh, bright and breezy, Matt. I'm sat in the conference centre. Uh, it's rapidly emptying around me uh, as people return to their um, you know, 100% interest rate mortgages. Um, I'm having a great time. Uh, so what we thought we'd do is, uh, is sort of pick through in some detail Keir Starmer's speech yesterday, uh, looking at the politics of it and the, uh, uh, what it might mean for what, what happens in the coming months. So this is, this is essentially, it's not normally PMQs, we pause it live. We weren't on air yesterday, so we couldn't do that, so we're doing it uh, right now. So let's, let's, let's kick off, Patrick. Uh, let's st- and in fact, he started, unusually with Keir Starmer, he started with a joke. After all the changes we've made, all the hard work that we've put in, Finally, we're seeing the results. Yes, conference. We can say it at last. Arsenal are top of the league. (laughs) Very good. Uh, Patrick, uh, we'll overlook the joke of the Arsenal reference. There was quite a lot in this, wasn't there, about him basically boasting... You might Essentially, you might think I'm boring, but I've sorted out the Labour Party and I've got rid of that awful Corbyn man. Yes, exactly. And also, I think the joke is important. If we compare Keir Starmer's sense of confidence and sense of ease in front of the camera to even this time last year, um, I think he has grown in confidence. He's what his aides call a confidence player. And having done all the boring stuff, as you say, having uh, made you know, several reforms to Labour's Byzantine internal procedures, having got people, the people he wanted or the people's aides wanted in the right place, he's now much more ease and is honing a much more, well, not a much more informal style. I'd still say, you know, even those around him would admit he's not the most compelling speaker. Um, but uh, he's, um, he's in a better place as, a, as an orator, I think. And also, I suppose, uh, it was a bit more on brand for him. It's a slight dad joke. Uh, um, and it was about... He's, not, he's, not, he's it... not talking about Love Island and giving people the ick. Exactly, There's, exactly. John, John, John McTurnan, John McTurnan, he used to work for Tony Blair in them. Uh, uh, Julia Gillard, the Australian Prime Minister, uh, wrote a very interesting piece earlier in the week where he said Labour needs to tell uh, Labour needs to tell the public that Keir Starmer likes beer and football again and again and again and again. Um, so perhaps they're taking some advice. Yeah, maybe there's a bit of that. Uh, and then there was a sort of, you know, he's also very keen to accentuate his patriotism, the, the, the conference backdrop was all the union flag as well. Uh, and uh, that uh, meant several times talking about the Queen. Conference... We've seen two sides of Britain in the last few weeks. On one side, a nation united by a profound purpose to pay its respects to a remarkable sovereign. And that queue, five miles at its peak, even in death, our Queen found a unique way to capture the British spirit. But conference, the other side of Britain never went away. A Britain all at sea, where a cloud of anxiety hangs over working people. And, and what I thought was interesting, Patrick, is that there was a talk about the, uh, talking about the Queen uh, several times, where, you know, and he obviously did that at the weekend. And I think trying, there's the sort of patriotism thing, and while not trying to talk Britain down, 
because uh, you don't want to look like you're just saying everything, you know, the country's rubbish. You're almost trying to turn what the Conservatives are doing to the country into the unpatriotic uh, um, path. Yeah, I think that's a really astute point and something uh, some Corbynites came to realise by the end of Jeremy Corbyn's tenure. You know, they, they, they released a lot of sort of Ken Loach-style films about how bleak, uh, you know, post-industrial Northern England was and saying, well, fix these deindustrialised towns. Britain has been held back. Um, and, you know, we've got a compelling economic message to turn that around. The problem was, as Corbyn people put it to me by the end of the tenure, it's like, well, we've actually come to realise that even if you are living in um, somewhere, you know, North Londoners might think is benighted and a, a bit of a dump. Uh, lots of people are very proud of where they're from and they're proud of their country and they don't like the idea of particularly the left moaning again and again and again about how rubbish it is and you know, adopting the mantle of patriotism and uh, it's a similar thing with the, the financial and fiscal credibility message that we'll come on to in a minute. It's turning the Tories' own framing of the debate against them rather than trying to reshape the debate as, uh, as the, the Corbyn Project did ultimately unsuccessfully. So uh, that's, that's certainly a gambit we'll see more of. And also on the patriotism thing, I think it's another reminder of unglamorous though he may be, slightly plodding in his delivery. Keir Starmer has, or rather the people around Keir Starmer, have pulled off quite the organisational feat, which is getting Labour Conference and the Labour Party grassroots into a place where you can say all this stuff on stage without being booed or heckled or disrupted by protesters as he was last year. Yeah, which is uh, which took quite... Yeah, that, and that actually was part of the reason why it went on for so long. Well, let's turn our attention to the thing that everyone, of course, is is uh, talking about and thinking about, and that's the economy and uh, what's, what's happened since the uh, not-so-many-budget on Friday... And, uh, and throughout the speech, there were some quite sharp, uh, smart attacks on the Conservatives' record on the economy. So we put them all together. Here we are. The government has lost control of the British economy. And for what? They've crashed the pound. And for what? Higher interest rates, higher inflation, higher borrowing. And for what? Not for you, not for working people for tax cuts for the richest 1% in our society. Don't forget, don't forgive. The only way to stop this is with a Labour government. Conference, that's how the Tories have governed our, our country for 12 long years. That's why our economy has been more brittle than others in the face of crisis. They used to lecture us about fixing the roof when the sun was shining. But take a look around Britain. They haven't just failed to fix the roof. They've ripped out the foundations, smashed through the windows, and now they've blown the doors off for good measure. In their budget last week, they sent out a new message. A message that echoes around the kitchens and workplaces of families right across the country and says, your struggles, your hopes, your ambitions don't matter to us. We are not here for you. You are not our people. We are here for those at the top, and the rest of you can shove off. Now, Patrick, I think that might be the first time I've ever heard the phrase shove off in a party conference. <laughs> I wonder if it was stronger language in the first draft, and that was the alternative they, they settled on. But, but it was interesting that the, um, Keir Starmer... I thought he, he went some of the way to claiming the sort of moral high ground on the economy. If the Conservatives are going to you know, give up on the idea of balancing the books and fiscal rules and all of that. I, I still didn't quite feel that he nailed it. Do you think that's fair? 
I think so. You know, after his shut up your face moment, I, I, I think it's, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because Keir Starmer is many things, and he has clearly has many talents that those around him find find useful. Um, but he is not. Uh, he is very much not a an economist, um, and those around him freely admit that. And I think, yes, he certainly has the bones of an argument there on Labour as the party, fiscal credibility, and the Tories uh, bankrupting the country. Uh, and you know, look at what's happening in the markets today. I think Labour people think they're onto a winner there. And you know, as we spoke to a shadow cabinet minister on Monday night, didn't we? Who said the brilliant thing about all these tax cuts is they give us a load of fiscal headroom when we come in to uh, make big tax and spending plans. But we still, beyond the bones of that argument, don't really know uh, what Keir Starmer's vision or, 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 you know, if the method is growth, what is the, uh, or if the object is growth, what's the method? We still haven't really got that sense. And, you know, if you're putting to Labour people, as we have repeatedly over the past few days, well, hang on, where's the money coming from for X, Y and Z? They're still a bit evasive. And I think part of that is... Uh, one, Keir Starmer's not really a great economic thinker. Uh, and secondly, I think I think the problem is um, there is disagreement within his uh, top yeah. team on that too. It's also very reactive. That's one of the other things, is the sort of, uh, you, you know, the, so, so the big announcement in his speech on the NHS, uh, that they're going to you know, hire lots of more doctors and nurses by using the money that would have been spent on cutting the top weight of tax is instead going to be spent on doctors and nurses. So it's sort of, taking the, the, the Conservative government's move and then turning it to their, rather than just announcing a thing in and of itself, which is a sort of self-contained big bang idea, and you know, and all the sort of fixing the roof and the sun is shining, that's all sort of using the language and the, and the, and the stances of the Conservatives and reacting to it, rather than it being a sort of standalone thing in isolation. Um, let's move on, because uh, if there's one thing that Keir Starmer loves to do, and I was interesting what you think about this, Patrick, because Bigging up your working class credentials, I think probably work better when you're up against the old Etonian of, uh, of Boris Johnson and whether or not that works with uh, Liz Truss. But anyway, this is what I had to say. Now, some of you have heard this before. I grew up in a pebble-dash semi. Dad was a toolmaker. Mum was a nurse. Our first car was a Ford Cortina. It was the 1970s. <laughs> so I remember what rising prices feel like. I remember when our phone was cut off because we couldn't pay the bill. How hard it was to make ends meet. It wasn't easy. I mean, we have heard that before, Patrick. Um, it's interesting that you felt the need to restate it again, given quite how much we heard about his dad being a toolmaker in last year's speech. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, at least we didn't get that lengthy uh, monologue about submerging spark plugs in water and all that, <laughs> you know. And the the uh, the stuff on robotics, isn't it? Uh, but I, I I think it's um, you know there were lots of what you might call Wilsonian moments in that speech, and a lot of the rhetoric on technology, as much as all the comparisons beforehand were to Tony Blair, um, I think it owed much more to Harold Wilson, uh, Keir Starmer's favourite prime minister, of course, favourite Labour leader. Yeah. And I think, as you say, it's a, it's a similar sort of message okay he's not running against an old Etonia, but there's definitely a sense as you see from the messaging on the economy that this is a tory government that is out there to help their mates in the city yeah. and if, if you are called sir keir starmer you do have to explain to the public that you are one a grown-up hence i was around in the 1970s and two um, you are not uh, of uh, of uh, one with uh, with millionaire bankers and i think he did that quite effectively there much more effectively than just repeating the old 
uh, toolmaker and nurse living in the house, and Pavel Dashemi and Rygate, and you know the rest. Uh, let's move on then to his big announcement on energy. You know, I mean, clearly this feels like a, a policy born out of the summer rather than the past couple of weeks. But uh, and the concern about energy bills. Uh, this was Keir Starmer unveiling plans for Great British Energy. The largest onshore wind farm in Wales. Who owns it? Sweden. Energy bills in Swansea are paying for schools and hospitals in Stockholm. The Chinese Communist Party has a stake in our nuclear industry. And five million people in Britain pay their bills to an energy company owned by France. So we will set up great British energy within the first year of a Labour government. A new company. A new company. A new company that takes advantage of the opportunities in clean British power. And because it is right for jobs, because it is right for growth, because it is right for energy independence from tyrants like Putin, then yes, conference, great British energy will be publicly owned. British power to the British people. Now, I thought what was really clever about this, Patrick, is that, again, it manages to be patriotic and British. British power produced here, not, you know, not foreigners coming over here and taking our electricity, uh, while also being green. So it's sort of bridging that thing, which actually we talked a lot about when we were in Liverpool and talked to, to, to people in the Labour Party, this tension between, are we going for sort of wrap, your, wrap yourself in the flag voters or sort of soft left voters who might drift off to the Greens? And, and somehow they've managed to fashion a policy which does both. Yes, exactly. And this is what allies of Ed Miliband very aggressively pushed back uh, when you, I and Henry Zeffman wrote in the Times uh, early in the week about people criticising Ed Miliband as one of the authors of this uh, this conference's green strategy and saying this is, you know, this is classic Ed trying to remake Keir as an eco, uh, an eco warrior. Uh, you know, similar concerns about Ed Miliband are held by lots of people in and around the shadow cabinet. Um, and allies of Ed Miliband said, well, hang on, no, this isn't a, you know, turning Labour into the political wing of Greenpeace. This is all about uh, trying to pitch the green agenda as a way of answering those big questions about energy independence, about um, you know, protecting Britain from uh, Putin and, uh, and other bad actors on the international stage. And as you say, branding it as great British energy uh, does, does do that. It's, uh, it's quite an interesting package. And also, um, it's much harder to pillory, I think, for the right to pillory as, a, uh, as an act of sort of you know, neo-Corbynism, uh, because as well as the branding, the sum of money involved is, uh, is quite small. And it's not talking about nationalising the entire energy energy industry but it is you know new state owned enterprise that can please people on the left and even momentum gave it a cautious welcome so it's um, one of those rare policies from the Labour Party that seems to have pleased almost everybody and it's quite easy to understand rather than some of the sort of British industrial strategy stuff which is probably very important but doesn't isn't exactly what people are talking down the dog and duck right Patrick let's turn our attention now to perhaps what's been one of the biggest problems that Keir Starmer's had uh, recently, uh, for much of his leadership, and that's Brexit. Let's take a listen to what he had to say about that. Conference, the policy of my Labour government will always be to make Brexit work. It's no secret I voted Remain, as the Prime Minister did. <laughs> but what I heard around the country was people who thought we got our priorities wrong, who wanted democratic control over their lives, but who also wanted opportunities for the next generation communities they felt proud of, public services they could rely on. I didn't hear that Brexit was about slashing workers' rights. I didn't hear 
people wanting to lower standards on food, animal welfare and the environment. I didn't hear them wanting to end redistribution. So I want to speak directly to the people who left Labour on this issue. Whether you voted leave or remain, you've been let down. And with Liz Truss, the Tories are changing the mean of Brexit before your eyes. I will make work pay for people who create this country's wealth. I will make sure we buy, make and sell more in Britain. I will revitalise public services and control immigration using a points-based system. I will spread power and opportunity to all our communities. And I will never be shy to use the power of government to help working people succeed. Bre Labour will make Brexit work. Labour will make Brexit work. Again, Patrick, turning this into a sort of patriotic uh, uh, you know, appeal to make, you know, making Britain better again using the benefits of Brexit almost, even despite the fact that probably he deep down and most of the people around him still think that the, the costs of Brexit outweigh any benefits. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and look, they're trying to present Brexit as settled and trying to present themselves at peace with Brexit, whether that works in the long term, whether they can do that in the long term is another question. Danny Finkelstein writes very well about this yeah, it's really interesting, in, in today's paper. But look, the platform Labour wants to run in the next election is one, Senior advisor Keir Starmer put it to me last week is nothing in this country works anymore and it's the fault of the Conservative government. And as such, that strap line, make Brexit work, um, will one, is a critique of the Tories on their own terms, but two, may well give Labour a bit of cover, as Keir Starmer set out in his Brexit speech earlier this year, to align more closely with the EU on several issues uh, that you know, brings, isn't, you know, is nowhere near full-fat single market and customs union membership, but will uh, bring down some of the bigger barriers to trade, maybe help solve the Northern Ireland protocol issue. And if they're framing that as, look, Brexit doesn't work, you voted for Brexit, the Tories let you down, we're not going to reverse Brexit, but uh, we're going to make some technical changes to make it work. Um, you know, it may well, it yeah. may well pay dividends. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. That sort of make Brexit work, that could become everything. Make hospitals work, make schools work, make the trains work, make the economy work. Um, you know, there's a there's a there's a sort of a thread of something there that they might be able to might be able to pull on. Let's talk about Scotland now, because I mean, one of the the things chatting to to people in Liverpool, they you know they were thinking that actually the sort of if anger boil the Conservatives boils over in a way that it hasn't really for a long time, get the Tories out suddenly becomes quite a strong argument in lots of places where Labour has struggled, including in Scotland. And Keir Starmer went much further than I think we've heard him before on the, the question of Scotland and the SNP. Scotland needs a Labour government that can deliver change, but it also needs the power and resources to shape its own future, whoever is in power in Westminster. And the SNP are not interested in this. For them, Scotland's success in the UK is met with gritted teeth, seen as a roadblock to independence, and so they stand in the way. We can't work with them. We won't work with them. No deal under any circumstances. No deal under any circumstances. I mean, to some extent, he has to say that. But it was interesting, he went quite so hard on saying it, Patrick. Yes, but I mean, that's the only political option Labour have, in the, given that the Tories um, were briefing a while ago, you know, months ago, that they were going to run a a revival of the 2015 Coalition of Chaos campaign that proved so effective against uh, Ed Miliband and less effective against Jeremy Corbyn. So they've got to nip that in the bud from the off. Uh, and you also saw this play out 
to a lesser extent with a big debate the party had of a proportional representation, um, which passed uh, on the conference floor. But people around Keir Starmer are very clear it's not going to go in their manifesto, they're not going to commit to the proportional representation. And that is partly because of two things. One, the polls suggest they can win on, on first past the post, and you know, turkeys don't vote for Christmas having just won on first past the post, which can give you a, a big majority if you win on an outside swing. But the second is, you know, you speak to Labour ministers and they say, some of them will say, look, you can't put a fag paper between me and the Liberal Democrats. But others, like uh, Laura Spirit, our Redbox reporter, spoke to Peter Kyle, the Northern Ireland Secretary, for a video that's on the Times website yesterday. And he was making the point, look, people talk about a progressive alliance and making deals uh, with the Liberal Democrats, the Greens, and even the SNP, um, when actually these parties often don't have that much in common. He was saying the Greens are a nationalist party in Scotland. So all of these sort of constitutional questions are now uh, colliding. And I think Keir Starmer's people have found the answer, which has proven so elusive to others, which is Labour is now in a position to beat the Tories. So you want a Labour government, vote for Labour government. Uh, just finally, uh, it was interesting. And in fact, uh, Keir Starmer was saying, uh, saying a similar thing uh, this morning when he was on the rounds. He was on Times Radio Breakfast talking about how he was now closer to... Uh, Closer to the party was closer to Tony Blair than the uh, than, than Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, this was his sort of peroration, including quoting uh, Blair himself. Conference on climate change, growth, aspiration, levelling up, Brexit, economic responsibility. We are the party of the centre ground. Once again, the political wing of the British people. And we can achieve great things. The, uh, the political wing of the British people, of course, is the quote that, that Tony Blair said, or possibly didn't say, uh, in, uh, in 1996. It's, it's interesting that he's now got such a confident grip on the party that he can wrap himself in the flag of Tony Blair as well as the flag of, uh, of the Union Jack and that not cause a massive row, Patrick. Yeah, exactly, and it- let me return briefly to what I was talking to before about this conference being a triumph of quite ruthless organisation. You know, we used to talk, people used to word, use words like Stalinist when describing how Jeremy Corbyn's allies were running the party. When you speak to the few Corbynites who still bother to turn up to this, they say, well, look, ultimately the problem was we couldn't run a world store. We weren't anywhere near ruthless enough. And Keir Starmer and his allies are behaving in the way we did, basically purging the party very effectively of the hard left. And, you know, it's not, yes, it's a, it's a sort of, by the standards of the past five years, quite brave politically to, to, you know, big up Tony Blair at Labour conference. But he's only able to do that because his team has basically made the party such a hostile environment for the sort of people who would dislike it. Uh, just finally, Patrick, minutes after the speech uh, finished, we got the news about Rupert Huck being uh, uh, suspended by the, uh, by the Labour Party for her comments well, Keir Thomas for racist comments about the, uh, the chance of Kwasi Kwarteng. What's the latest on that? Well, it's, uh, it, it's very interesting, isn't it, that there was a racism row on the final day of Labour conference and it still hasn't overshadowed his speech, how far uh, the party has come since the days of Jeremy Corbyn and, uh, and anti-Semitism. It's the first thing Jeremy Corbyn was actually told by his team when he came off the stage that the chief whip had decided to suspend Rupert Hook. And, uh, I think uh, a, a source told me last night uh, that Keir's uh, response was, well, you know, that's the decision, let's do it swiftly. There was no sort of Corbynite-style prevarication. Um, well, the latest is that Keir Starmer has, uh, has roundly condemned Rupert Hook. He said her comments were racist 
on stations including Times Radio this morning. And despite her having apologised directly to Kwasi Kwarteng, she's not getting the whip back anytime soon. And, you know, there's a question mark of whether she stands as a Labour candidate in the next election, according to some uh, senior Labour people. So uh, uh, we won't be seeing her with the Labour whip. Uh, or indeed, on Have I Got News for You next week, uh, as she was uh, slated to be uh, anytime <laughs> soon, I don't think. Uh, just finally then, Patrick, how would you, as it, as it all starts packing up around you, just rate the confidence out of 10 for Keir Starmer? Uh, for Keir Starmer, I'd give it a solid, uh, I'd give it a solid eight. Uh, the internal tensions in his team haven't, haven't gone away, but I'd say he is uh, basically silenced most of his internal critics. The Shadow Cabinet have, for once, precious little to moan about. Uh, as a spectacle for journalists, I've given this, as, as, as I said to uh, a very senior Labour aide the other day, uh, it's been very flat and they, uh, they basically purred, they smiled, they said it was, uh, they, they haven't been any gratuitous rows that you, uh, I don't know whether you meant you personally, you or me, Matt, or journalists as a whole, I think it was a mixture of the three, no gratuitous rows that you love writing about so much. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think for, for us it's been pretty boring, but for Keir Starmer it's achieved everything he wanted. And, uh, right, Patrick, I'll let you get off now because I know you want to go and have a Barocca and a Red Bull and a lie down and have, <laughs> have, a, have a nap on the train. Uh, look, pa- look, 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 I'm, I'm wide awake. I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You should have seen Henry Zeppelin as he was walking out the coffee <laughs> centre. That's, that's all I'll say. <laughs> That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. And we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcasts from. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.